This morning we want to talk, I want, first of all, praise the Lord, I want to introduce to you and present to all of you my wife, Jane Crawford. Will you please stand? She, she is the best part of me and a better looking part of me, amen, because we are one, amen. And we've been married for 34, going on 30, I'm trying to be accurate, um, because she will correct me, yes. And so it's going on 34 years, amen, we've been married. And um, it's been the joy of my life. I wouldn't be where I am in life without Jane Crawford, amen. And um, I'm going to say this to all the guys in here, you know, your wife. I, I never forget the day the Lord spoke to me and said that um, you're neglecting half of the wisdom I've given you. And I, I, I kept, I kept, I said, God, I've done everything you told me to do. And, and basically he was actually saying to me, he said, um, the other half is your wife. <laughs> and, um, and the way her wisdom comes to me can come in different ways. The Lord will cause a frustration to come up in your wife to get your attention. Amen. He does that. He will put something on their heart and it appears like nagging, but it is God trying to turn your head. Amen. He will cause your wife to know things and, and know things about the children and you trying to figure out, no, I don't see that. But the Lord placed the wife there. Amen. 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 Lord, have mercy. I, I, I just want to, you know, and the scripture says that, that a, a um, I was trying to remember this scripture, but um, yes, it says that a husband should wash his wife with the water of the word. And basically what God was saying was not for the husband to sit down and, and teach his wife the word of God. What he was actually saying for the husband to model what's in the word so that she reflects your life. Amen. Amen. And so if you don't like what you're getting from your wife, praise God, this is from uh, Bishop Johnson. It's from the Bible and it's also from Bishop Johnson's textbook on marriage that, that if, if the wife, she naturally reflects the husband. She does. And... Um, and, and, and so you can, you can, your spirituality is not how well you minister, it's how well you take care of what he's placed by your side as well as your family. Amen. So anyway, we're going to start with the word this morning. I just wanted to say uh, she's the better part of me. Amen. And uh, yes, we do, we do have arguments. Amen. Uh, I just want to say that. And... Uh, Praise God. She's different than I. Praise God. But we've learned, I've learned to let her win. Amen. And, and, um, and one of the things you, you begin to learn after you're married for a while, you begin to, you, you, you begin to learn something. And, I, and, I, and wives do the same thing. You have to ask yourself, should you go to war about this? You got you, you, you to hear this. So you have to sit back and calculate. I might be able to get over how I'm feeling in about an hour. 
Now, if I go ahead and say what's on my mind, it may take seven days to recover, praise God. So you got to make a choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, you got to make a choice. And um, you ain't got to say everything on your mind. Praise God. The Bible says a fool speaks his whole mind. Anyway, praise God. Just, praise God, just flowing. So, today we're going to talk about consecrating and possessing your future. One of the interesting things, uh, I normally do not use a red case. Uh, I lost my glasses, and so I'm having to use reading glasses. And so, uh, amen, I put this case, it's just bothering me. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're talking about consecrating and possessing your future. One of the things you begin to learn in life is that your values guide your thinking while your purpose guide your actions. Your values guide your thinking while your purpose guide your actions. So normally, whatever we value, that is the thing that we spend our time on. Whatever we value, that is the thing we spend our money on. We all resist paying for things when we fail to perceive real value or have no sense of return. Bishop Johnson said a couple of weeks ago that there is never a time when God does not require us to walk by faith. There's never a time. There's never a time. In fact, God grows us up in his kingdom by giving us faith projects. The Bible states in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It actually indicates that there are going to be situations in our lives where we will not be able to depend on ourselves. We, we will have to depend on him. Come on, saints. And you may say, well, I don't have no faith. The Bible says that God has given to every man the measure of faith. So you may not feel like you have faith, but you have faith. And the faith you have can grow. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. When we release faith because he's given us his word, then we see the manifestation of the thing that we're believing for. And I believe that everybody in this room right now, you may be facing a situation or situations that you need God to move on. How many of you would say, Elder Crawford, you're right. How many of you say, man, that there's some situations I, I, I really need God to move on for us? I want to talk about, this is first fruit season. And I want to I talk about this in a different way. The Bible talks about four methods of giving. 
And one Bishop Johnson spoke about at the beginning of the year, and that was alms, which is resources given in the face of need. Basically, what we're talking about, God wants us to give to the poor. In fact, there's up to 200 scriptures in the Bible that talks about the poor. Yes, 200 references. In fact, in Acts the ninth chapter, the scripture says, when the centurion, the, the Lord blessed the centurion, he blessed the Roman soldier because of his arms and his prayers. And the scripture says that his giving to the poor and his prayers came before the Lord as a memorial. There's another scripture in the Bible that says that um, charitable deeds done in secret, when you give to the poor, do it in secret. Don't do it where everybody can see. And the Bible says when you do that, your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly, Matthew 6, 3, and 4. The Bible states in Proverbs 19, 7, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Come on, saints. And so Bishop Johnson exhorted us all to, to give to the poor. Some of you, well, I, 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 I don't know what they're going to do with the money. Hey, hey. But the, but the Lord is looking in terms of how charitable you and I are to the poor. How many of you started giving to the poor because of what Bishop Johnson said at the beginning of the year? Let me see by the show of hands. How many of you have actually seen some things happen? I stopped worrying about if... if you know, if they're going to spend the money on dope, if they're going, no, 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 no. The Lord wants to know, will you give? Amen. I believe the other day I was, I was at um, the gas pump and this lady came and up with a son and, I, and, and the Lord said, I want you to give to this family. And, you know, I was reaching for a couple of dollars, you know, you, you know about $2, $3. And I didn't, I didn't have, but a 10 in my pocket and, and Lord that, that's what I want you to give her <laughs> that's, that's what I want you to give right there and and I said but Lord it's a sky in my mind <laughs> and the Lord said if that woman is walking around with her child asking for money that means she doesn't have enough and if she's chosen that way to raise money for her family, then that means she don't have it like you have it. So, you know, I gently went into my pocket, gave the money, amen. Because the Bible says when you give to the poor, you're lending what? To the Lord. And that, and that, and that when you do it in secret, he will what? Reward you openly. Another, and, and another form of giving is tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings are acts of worship because life was invested in the sacrifice. Now, it's how can tithing often be worship? Because when you go to work, how many of you know you, you go through some stress at work sometimes? Come on. How many of you, I mean, you go through some conflict sometimes. You, you end up getting tired, so you, you, you're spending time, so you are what? Spending what? Your life. And so when you take a 
of what you've been spending when God gives you income from working and you take a portion of that as he has indicated in the scripture and you give it back to him. It is worship unto him. Oh, man. Refusing, the Bible in fact says in Malachi 3.8, refusing to engage in worship through giving is an act of theft. And then we have first fruits. What I did, I gave a bunch of scriptures for um, um, first fruits. We won't go into that right now. I'm just going to focus on one scripture. But one thing about it, first of all, I just want to, for, for everyone in here, tithe and first fruits are not synonymous. Okay? First fruits was presented to the Lord before the completion of the harvest. The tithe is given at the end of the harvest. And so what, what happened before the harvest they would bring the first of what came out of the ground and bring it to the priest, okay? And they gave it to the priest so that the entirety of the harvest that they were anticipating for that season would manifest. They were actually consecrating the harvest they, that they had not seen with their eyes, but was anticipating by faith that they would have a great harvest. They would give him the first. Come on, saints. And then when they gave him the first, and when the blessing came on the other end, they gave the tithe, which was to protect the income from the devourer. Oh, man. They would give it. And so they didn't have money, so they gave their what? Crops and produce. Come on, saints. The tithe is brought before the Lord after the harvest when the reward for the labor has been completed. One of the things that we begin to understand that our worship of God extends beyond our singing and dancing, our prayers and proclamations, study and devotions. Our worship of God reaches into the resource stream of our living God, reaches into the resource stream of our living and draws from the well of our existence. The principle of first fruits is to give God the best of our worship and the best of our productivity. Harvest is not an accident. It's always intentional. Come on, saints. So we're going to look at one passage about first fruits. It's found in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with, first, with the first fruits of your increase. So your bonds will be what? Plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I began to just, in my time of prayer, I was asking God, why, why, why did Solomon write what proof in his life that, that he had that, that indicated that God would do that? And I was directed to the scripture found in 1 Kings, the third chapter, the fourth verse. The Bible says the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was the great high place. Solomon, what he did, he offered a thousand, 
now normally when they were offered burnt offerings, they would only sacrifice one animal. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In Gibeah, and then the Bible says, and then the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. Come on, saints. And said to him, ask what you wish me to give you. He gave what? The offering of a thousand burnt offerings. And then the heavens, the Bible says that when we bring the tithe and offering into the house of God, he will what? Open the windows of heaven. And so Solomon brought that burnt offering, a thousand, not one, not three, not a hundred, a thousand. And then God appeared to him. The heavens opened and said to him, ask what you wish me to give you. Then Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is, as it is this day. Now, O oh Lord, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go in or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And God said, man, it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon asked this thing, this thing. And God said to him, because you have, have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you nor shall anyone like you arise after you. I have given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commandments as your father David asked, then I will prolong your day. And then Solomon awoke. And behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and burnt. And then he turned around and then burnt some more offerings. Come on. And made peace offerings. And then a couple of other chapters, when they dedicated the house, he burnt offerings. And then the Lord appeared to him again because he understood that when you bring the tithe and offering into the house of the Lord, it is the key to opening the windows of heaven. And when the windows of heaven open for Solomon, see, you, you think God is going to hand you some money out the sky? No, 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 no. What happened? God gave the man wisdom. He gave him so much wisdom. He gave him architecture. He gave him wisdom in terms of science, biology, 
all, man, he wrote over 3,000 songs. Man, I mean, he was prolific. God gave it, to, gave it to him in one night in a download. He walked in such wisdom that when the queen of Sheba came, Man, he built this place, and she looked at the order in the house. And the, and the scripture said when she saw all what Solomon had, she said the half has not been told. When she saw it with her eyes what he had built with the wisdom of God. Lord, have mercy. The scripture said she passed out. Oh, my God, man. So... The way I'm going to end this is to talk about the blessing of first fruits. And one of the major blessings of first fruit offerings is the transgenerational blessing. Say transgenerational. Transgenerational blessing. The Bible says in Ezekiel 4 to 430, the first of all the first fruits of every kind. Every contribution of every kind from all your contributions shall be for the priest. You shall also give to the priest the first of your dough to cause a blessing to rest on your house. The Bible says it will activate. It will compel a blessing to rest on your house. Man, I begin to think about this transgenerational blessing. I begin to think about it when, man, <laughs> when, I, when, when you start looking at the Palmer's family and you start watching because of, of, of the gift of, of the blessing of first fruits and you look at the Palmer's family and you, you watch, you're watching the children be blessed. You're watching one job make full turnover, but then the next job opens up. And then a child is in another country. It's, it's, it's from the blessing of giving. Oh, my God. When you, when you, when you turn around and you look at, you look at um, the family of the winds, my God, man, what God has done even among the children because of the first fruits. Miss Palmer, the reason why God keeps giving you job after job it's because of what your parents did in terms of giving. Come on, saints, you don't understand this thing. And the reason why you're going to prosper, come on, saints. You're going, you can't help but prosper. In spite of yourself, you'll prosper. Because the blessing is transgenerational. I was looking at thinking about Linda Wilder and her uh, um, you got a daughter, right? Yeah, I was thinking about her and how God has just blessed her, has blessed her in spite of herself because of the giving of the parent, because of the tithes and offerings. Lord, have mercy. And watch what happens to your grandchildren. Watch what happens because the scripture says when Abraham paid tithes, he said, Levi was paying tithes. God saw four generations ahead. He saw Levi paying tithes when Abraham paid tithes. Lord, have mercy. Y'all don't understand. I'm looking at T. Garlington. I'm looking at all her children. Bless. And they're watching the grandchildren. It ain't happening just because of prayer. It's happening because there's a transgenerational blessing. 
you. It's about your seed. It's about a blessing going to a thousand generations. Lord, have mercy. I'm standing there looking at how God blessing my children. They're not having to work hard like I had to work hard. Lord, have mercy. Oh, my God. Because the heavens open. And even when they don't want to walk right, the blessing overtakes. I remember we were standing, my, my youngest son, when we were standing at the college, and man, you know, college is expensive. And I remember Jane and I, man, we came into agreement. And I remember these people got in front of us and it kind of annoyed me. And I started, you know, looking. And, uh, and then a peace settled in my heart. I'll never forget it. And just let the people get in front of me. I didn't understand God was working a miracle. We let the people get in front of us, and we ended up meeting with the head financial officer, the one who could make a decision on the spot. Come on. She turned around and said, there's a scholarship we can give them. Lord, have mercy. And we normally give it to one student, and I just thought about it. It's, it's, and you ain't just thought about it. Lord, have mercy. Don't tell me God don't move. Don't tell me God don't bless those who give. Lord, have mercy. I remember when Matthew was hurt in that bicycle accident. And I was with Bishop Johnson. And the Lord spoke to Bishop, said, why should I let him live? Lord, have mercy. So that he can serve the purpose of God in his generation. The blessing. Some of y'all don't understand. The blessing. And I can go on and on in here in family. That's why your daughter is blessed. I know it's been a sacrifice. I'm talking to you. I know it's been a sacrifice at times. But watch what the Lord does in her life. And not just in her life, but your life. The half has not been told. God is going to make some folk payback. got to move on. Yeah, I wrote your name in here, Leonard. Yes, sir. Because the Lord showed me when I was praying. I'm looking at Teresa. Her son just been blessed, 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 blessed. It's the tithe. It's the first fruits. It's the offering. God appoints an angel to go before the child. The Lord did the same thing with the Howards. 
when the son, man, he is the head guy in his position. So shall you be killed. As you walk in the light of your calling and fan into flames the gift of administration that is inside of you. I'll make room for you if you believe that I dwell inside of you. And so Abraham, I'm got to move on. And so Abraham, man, I looked at this thing, this thing stopped messing with me because Abraham, the book of Genesis is the seed book of the Bible. Every doctrine in the Bible that unfolds in the Bible is found in seed form in the book of Genesis. Man, I looked at this, man. The name of this season is Altars and Answers. And it was interesting that after Isaac was presented as first fruits, my God. And Isaac, I mean, Abraham brought his son, his only son. Now, God said, I'm going to bless your seed, and in your seed, all the nations shall be blessed. Now God is saying, I want, your, I want your, your only son. I want your first. Man, I don't know what was going through Abraham's mind. But the principle of first fruits was instituted before the law. And so basically when Abraham was about to lift his hands, the Bible says, but the angel called out to Abraham and said, do not stretch forth your hands against the lad. Do nothing to him for now. I know that you fear God since you did not withhold your son, your only from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold, behold, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. The Lord will put he will put the seed so that you can plant it miraculously. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's called Jehovah Jireh in that passage. Jehovah Jireh means that he sees the provision before you need it. Amen. And it's interesting that in Isaiah, the 51st chapter, and it says, and look to your father and to Sarah who gave birth to you in pain when he was one. I called him, then I blessed him and multiplied him. When, he, when Isaac was placed on that altar, he was one. Lord have mercy. But when he came off of that altar, Lord have mercy, then God turned around and the angel said the second time from heaven, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my name. Y'all don't understand the significance of this because what God was saying when Abraham offered, offered his only son and presented his only son, and then he says, in your seed, in your seed, your, all the nations shall be blessed. He was speaking of his son, Lord have mercy, who would come thousands of years from there and be born because Jesus came out of the lineage of Abraham. The father saw himself having to offer his son Lord, have mercy. As the first fruits 
after him. We're the harvest after the first fruits, Jesus Christ. The father was obligated. Oh, man. I don't know if y'all see it. I was praying, man, and then I was praying, and I wrote this down. Many people who are prospering on the stage, I was looking at an awards night, and I, it was the Grammys, I think it was. And I wrote it down. He says, many people who are prospering on the stage right now don't know me, but they're recipients of the stream of prosperity that was created by their great-great-grandparents. Even as I saw Levi four generations before he was born, I can gaze upon the memorials that were established by their ancestors and release a blessing upon their seed because of the tithes and offerings, because tithes and offerings are covenant connectors. Amen. Because basically what happened when you bring the tithe and offering, it connects you to the covenant. It connects you to the new covenant. It connects you to the Abrahamic covenant. Because the Bible says that, that, that we receive the blessing of Abraham in Galatians 3.15. What are some of the other things that happen because of first fruits? The anointing. The anointing is released. And it's interesting that after first fruits came Pentecost which was in the what? The first fruits what? Consecrates the future. And weeks later, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came after, during Pentecost. The anointing is released because of first fruits. And then another thing that happens is that, and this is why I think many of us, we miss it right here. We miss it right here. We miss it right here. Because what happens when the windows of heaven open, God pours out ideas. He pours out opportunities. Preparation always attracts opportunities. Some of you are missing your opportunities because of how you see yourself. So you bring the tithe and then God puts an opportunity. He puts an opportunity that may look too large to you because it's, it's, bigger, than, it's bigger than the paradigm you've been living in. But, but many times the Lord wants to stretch us, amen. So it's comfortable to live in terms of what we can do. But then the Lord says, hey, I want to open up this job for you. I'm going to close this job down. I'm going to get you fired so that you can begin to seek me. Amen. Because I, I have a blessing that I want to put in your hands. I'm a covenant connecting God. Amen. Your tithe is connecting you to the covenant. And I'm obligated to bless you. But I can't bless you like I want to right there. I sat there, man, we sat there when, when Bishop Johnson had met with the a bit people in business and, and, listened and, to, and listened to the tax experts and they said, this is the best time to start a business. This is the best time in the world. The, the, the tax laws favor those who start. And then most of the time when you start talking to people, well, I don't have enough time. I, you know, it's just, it's just so uncomfortable. The thing about it is that some opportunities come disguised as problems that God has planted the solutions inside of you. Some opportunities come as ideas. If God gives you an idea, then that means that he has placed the capability inside of you to manifest the idea. Sometimes opportunities come dressed in the clothing of work and discipline. Ideals must be converted to products. Some of you, God has been raining down ideals on you, but you fail to 
to convert the idea into a product because it then requires that you got to do some research. You're going to have to sometimes go back to school. You're going to have to get some special training. You're going to have to do some things you've never done before. You're going to have to turn the television off. You're going to have to turn the, the computer off. You're going to have to spend time, amen, because if you delay gratification right now, you'll live well later. I'm telling you that God, your tithe and offering is connecting you to the covenant, but you and I got to walk in sync with the opportunities that God is bringing before us. Now I'm closing. This is the idea I'm closing on. Because many times we are left Pastor Tiffany started talking about this last week because many times we're left with this lingering thought why some prayers are not answered. I just can't get away from the trans, trans generational blessing, man. I, because it's in this house. It's in this house. The anointing for this is in this house. But why some prayers are not answered? God said to Solomon, I want you to get this, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. He said, and the reason why he wanted it, so that he could serve the purpose of God in governing the people. Come on, y'all, I... <laughs> Oh, y'all don't, y'all don't see this thing. Because sometimes our prayer is focused primarily on our need. And what God has been doing, he's been saying over and over through all the messages, I want you to get focused on my purpose. I remember, I remember so vividly when I started praying for a wife. Man, you know, every young man, praise God, you know what young men want. And, um, and my prayer changed from that. I never forget it. My prayer was focused on his purpose. And I know it, God saw it because Jane was like my friend. She was the only one that would come out on snow days to me, with me when we went to minister at Georgia Tech. She would sit on the bus. And I remember I had postboard, pasteboards in my shoes. My shoes had holes in them. And walk into the campuses, get off the bus, and, and walk on 10th Street to Georgia Tech. And I remember my feet would be so cold because the water was seeking through the holes in my feet. But the joy of bringing the ministry, bringing the word of God to those students, and even now to look back at these students' lives and see their lives of change and transforming to see their children blessed but I didn't understand Lord have mercy when I was crying out on behalf of God's purpose for a wife for a partner God started years ago Lord have mercy and then at the right time he opened my eyes I don't know if y'all catching this I don't I don't know if y'all catching this. See, see, because see, sometimes when prayers are not answered, we have to stop approaching God on the basis of need and approach him on the basis of purpose. 
That's why when the Lord asked Bishop, why should I let Matthew live? Bishop Johnson said, it's for your purpose. When God wanted to destroy Israel, when God wanted to destroy Israel, God told Moses, let me alone. I'll kill him and then I'll make a nation out of you. And then Moses said, will God do right? Lord have mercy. How would he dare to say that to God? Because God could smoke him. But Moses understood. He, was, he reminded God of his purpose for Israel. He reminded him of the purpose. It was not about him surviving. It was about the purpose of God. Come on, saints. Y'all, do you hear it? The same thing happened to Hannah. Hannah, God allowed that to happen because eventually Hannah came to the conclusion, Lord, if you just give me a child, if you just give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And he was waiting for that kind of request because now she was praying about purpose. She was praying about purpose and then she presented him as fairest fruits before the Lord and God raised him up as a mighty prophet that blessed several kings. I don't know if y'all see this. I don't know if you see it. Why do you want the anointing? I think we got to change how we're praying. I think we got to start saying, God, your purpose. Lord, your purpose, your purpose for my family, your purpose for my bloodline. Lord, I, 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 Lord, I want to, I want, you know, I want a spouse, Lord, because, Lord, your purpose will be fulfilled. Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm serving you now, but, Lord, I've come to a place, Lord, that, that my serving you needs a partner, Lord. And you, Lord, have mercy, man. You just, it, it completely turns it around. Over and over in the Bible, you see God being moved by. Minister T, I hear no one say amen. It was the same thing with Abraham and Lot. Abraham started talking, God, God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham began to argue with God about purpose. About his purpose, about his purpose, about his agenda. That's why the scripture said if we seek first his kingdom, first his kingdom, all these things shall be at his agenda. So, Metro. I believe that God is provoking us as a church to pray about his purpose for Atlanta, his purpose for our families. I believe that one of the things the Lord wants us to do, and Bishop Johnson said it this at the beginning of the first fruits. He says, he said that I want you all to begin to make declarations before the Lord, make decrees before God. And God says in the book of Isaiah 51, 16, I have put, I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hands that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. That when you and I declare what he is saying, we are planting the heavens. 
when you declare what he's saying about your children. Lord. When you declare what he's saying about your job. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, why should you prosper me? Why should you prosper me? Lord, I, I want to I employ hundreds of people. I want to be a paymaster. His purpose, God is looking for some people in the house of God to be paymasters. To employ thousands of people who would not even have work. To train people who don't have skills. God is waiting for somebody to pray like that. And then he will open up the windows of heaven and give you all the resources because it's not about you. It's about his purpose. So, Father, I pray right now. I have done what you told me to do. Now, Lord, show us we give ourselves to you for your purpose. Lord, we don't want the anointing so that we can be recognized, so that people can call us great. Father, we want the anointing so that we can receive this neighborhood. Lord, we want the anointing, Lord. See, some of us, man, you want it for the wrong reason. Stand Metro. This is a season to, to let all cursing leave your mouth and let nothing but blessing come out of your mouth. That you will plant the heavens wherever you go. This morning I, I want the altar call I want to have this morning. I mean, I could go throughout this congregation, man, and I could tell you how the blessing of God, how the blessing of God has been earmarking people because of their giving. I look at Derek. I'm looking at Derek and Regina. I'm, I'm looking at when, when your son left college and, 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 and now how God just opened up the blessing. And I know it was because your, your tithe and your offering, speaking, moving, doors opening for your youngest son, doors opening for your for for your other son I'm thinking about Lord have mercy y'all don't understand 